Welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, an editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. And we're continuing today with our summer series podcast of issues that are maybe more bigger, a little bit bigger picture topics, not directly related to the news. We're recording this on Thursday, June 28th. Uh, So whatever intense news has happened uh, between now and the time of listening, we don't know about it yet. But we're going to talk today about political parties, history of political parties, the difference between political parties, the vehicle of the party, and the and the ideologies that, that make up a party coalition and how those have changed over time. Um, because both parties right now seem to be in flux in the Republican Party, the grand old party. You have the never-Trump conservatives versus the Trumpsters. In the Democrat Party, you've got the progressives led by Bernie Sanders' Democratic Socialist side that just won a congressional uh, primary uh, in New York. Alexandria Ocaris-Cortez, be it an establishment Democrat. So you've got the progressives versus the establishment Democrats. So both parties seem to be in flux. Um, So let's reflect a little bit on the role of of political parties uh, as vehicles for a policy, um, how those coalitions have changed over time, and whether we might be seeing changes happening right now. Let's start with some historical origins. Our first president, George Washington, famously warned in his farewell address against political parties. But it seems like there was already kind of political parties at the time, you had the Federalists who were um, arguing for a, for a stronger constitution. Um, you had the Anti-Federalists who were more states, uh, wanting state sovereignty and, and, and saw the, the world a bit differently. So first question, did George Washington and his uh, urge to get rid of per- political parties and not even have them, was that ever a reasonable goal? Was that ever going to happen? Uh, or was party development inevitable? And has the kind of liberal conservative element been there from the very beginning of the country? I don't think it was uh, realistic, although in addition to Washington's adamation, uh, the Constitution was actually set up in part to try to preclude the development of of parties. Um, The... Electoral College was intended to be a truly deliberative body where um, people of judgment would be elected at a local level. They would get together and decide who in the entire country would be uh, best suited to the position of president, and it would be a um, deliberative uh, process uh, without uh, the role of of faction. And, And the Federalist Papers talk about the various protections that have been developed to prevent the spirit of faction um, from developing. Now, paradoxically, the um, chief architect of the Constitution, um, James Madison, was also the chief architect of the first development (laughs) of political parties in the country. Um, Washington's farewell address uh, reflected the tension that he felt within his administration and the rivalry that had erupted 
between Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson. And uh, Jefferson defeated John Adams in, when John Adams was um, seeking uh, re-election. I think it was the election of 1800. Um, and Madison organized um, political operations on behalf of Jefferson. Adams was true to the Washington uh, view that one ought not to do that, and and he was defeated. And we've had political parties ever since. So was the difference because there was already kind of a almost a coalition. I guess you'd say it was a coalition of people who were skeptical of the stronger powers in the Constitution and the people that weren't. Um, and they had this, you know, the compromise was the Bill of Rights, um, uh, enumerating the specific individual rights uh, that would be protected. You, that's not a political party, though, maybe. It's just kind of d two different points of view. Are you saying that James Madison did something new by um, kind of deliberately organizing like-minded people for the express purpose of his election? He, he developed a political machine mm -hmm. uh, to uh, elect Jefferson. And so rather than it being this philosophical debate, it became a political operation. Adams didn't match it, and um, he was uh, defeated. And we've had political parties ever since. But I do believe that it is inevitable that people who are like-minded politically uh, will organize together to maximize their ability to influence policy in the way that they think uh, desirable. So I do think that uh, Washington's view and the attempt of the Constitution to preclude the development of parties in a democracy was inevitably um, doomed to, to failure. Because in, 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 it was just a matter of time before someone or some group found the benefit of organizing. organizing in a you know and calling themselves a a name and recruiting people and and trying to get and and then and that. then when you acquire political par power that way um, you want to maintain it and you want to regulate who can benefit from that power and and, and so I do I do think it is it goes hand in hand um, with democracy now, the pool of political parties is probably less today than it ever has been. Uh, party the what? The pool? The, the pool, pool. Of, of political parties. Uh, party identification uh, is at an all-time low, and both political parties are uh, held in low esteem by the American people. And your generation, I think, sees less use uh, for political parties than any generation since the founding generation. So it, it will be interesting to see as your generation progresses and, and acquires political part power, um, whether some fundamental reform and reduction of the role of parties uh, becomes part of that. I wouldn't how, be surprised if that turns out to be the case. But how would that happen, though? Because you have to, I mean, you have to... I mean, to vote, you got to register as a Democrat, Republican, or Independent. Or um, in in some states, you don't. And 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 I believe it will be a, a movement towards nonpartisan elections. There 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 have been proposals in Arizona to adopt the top two primary system, where irrespective of of party affiliation. So instead of 
being nominated in party primaries, uh-huh. participated only by members of the party. Um, the nominees for the general election would come from everybody running against each other, but irrespective of party. But wouldn't they still have an R or D next to their name? Well, that or a libertarian, that, or a that's a democratic socialist, well, or a that, socialist. That's a choice. <laughs> I I I actually opposed the first top two primary initiative that was proposed in Arizona because it did have um, party names on the ballot, and in my judgment, it was wrong to allow someone to run with a party name without the party having anything to say about who got to run under that banner. The uh, most recent draft, which ended up not going to the ballot, left that choice up to the legislature. I think that there will be an increasing desire for nonpartisan elections where parties are private organizations, um, but there are no party labels on the ballot. But, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't the natural, let's say we go away from political parties somehow. Wouldn't it still be the advantage, though, for the for that organization and coalition to, in terms of campaigning to, to plug into the existing parties? It, it would, um, but it wouldn't be the only way in which you could get to the general election ballot. Um, you wouldn't have the nominees selected by a small segment of of voters and in arizona uh, with um, independents being roughly in equal numbers to republicans it's kind of hard to defend the current system uh, in which taxpayers pay for political parties to choose their nominees in elections and it is difficult for an independent to get on the ballot. That's got to change over time somehow. Yeah. Do you think that it, I was just kind of thinking about the last presidential election when you had, you know, voters seemed to be left with two choices that a lot of people didn't like, you know, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. I think a lot of people maybe have preferred someone different, but you had these, um, just a weird primary season. Is there a way, I don't know, some people have talked about ranking uh, who you want, like, um, like say the Republican side, there's 15 people in there. Like what, like, would you support a kind of ranking system where instead of saying, this is who I want, you do a one, two, three, and then counting, is that a practical way of choosing a nominee? I I have always... Um, viewed it as a goofy proposal, um, and who you might make your second or third choice in the primary might be different uh, than um, when you actually had to make that choice. But I'm becoming more open-minded to it. Um, That is a way to make sure that um, you don't have nominees uh, that get only a slender percentage of even their uh, party partisans. At the national level, I've long supported a proposal made by Arizona Congressman uh, Mo Udall, who ran for president in 
1976 uh, for uh, rotating regional primaries uh, where you would divide the country into four or five different regions and all the states within that region would hold um, their primary election on the same date. Mm. And then you would move on to the next group of states. So rather than Iowa, New Hampshire, and the early um, states having such disproportionate power. Yeah, it's weird. You you would um, rotate who gets to go first, and it would be on a much broader basis, and you would create enough space between the primaries so that those that survived the first round would have time to re-raise money, go into the new states, and have a better contest. A lot of times, these are wars of attrition. Um, Candidates just run out of money and time to get to the next state. And um, and sometimes, even if they win a primary, they they, uh, don't have time to regroup to fight the next battle. So uh, Mo Udall's proposal has always struck me as much better to serve the country. Uh, It would require either internal reform by the Republican or Democratic Party uh, or a constitutional amendment uh, imposing that system. Um, I'm less optimistic about that reform occurring than some kind of mon- more nonpartisan elections that I think your generation will ultimately yeah, want to see. at the local level, probably. Um, but if we continue to get unsatisfactory choices, uh, maybe there can be some momentum developed for that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see who comes out. It sounds like the Democratic presidential primary in 2020 might be just as crowded uh, as the 2016 Republican primary. So we'll see what kind of uh, kind of effects happen there. I felt like Trump had a lot of the advantage based on how many people were there. And then it's very intriguing uh, separation. A lot of other factors I don't want to rehash or go back into that whole election. Um, but you might be seeing one thing I'm curious about is it seems like there might be, you know, we have these extremes right now in our in our politics. Uh, the Democrats are going more towards, you know, progressive democratic socialism, um, you know, single payer, free education, kind of the Bernie Sanders. That's kind of like the the radical side that's gaining gaining traction. Um, and then on the other side, you have the uh, you have the Trump people who are, uh, you know, confrontational and, and, um, it seems like both of those sides are just reacting to each other and that's, and you hear so much of that. And I'm wondering if there isn't, and I think John Kasich is, is making this case as a, as a centrist of, look, there are people, um, that are more in the middle that don't, that don't really have a home right now. You know, it seems like GOP, uh, kind of pushing out a lot of the ordinary conservatives that don't have a place there because Trump has taken over. You know, you kind of have to defend him and everything he says to be a part of that group. And the Democrats, it's almost like you can't be a moderate. You have to, you kind of got to get fired up and be um, fatalistic and be, um, 
you know, so, so radical to get that base. Is it, I mean, where, where do the, where do the centrists find a home? Is there, is there a home for both of those people to come together? Are we going to see, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like, okay, let's say you're a, you're a free market conservative, but you maybe lean more socially liberal on issues like criminal justice or, you know, um, gay rights or even more open-minded about, you know, the, the abortion question, there's no place for you in the, in the democratic party. So or, or, or the Republican So where party. do you, where do you go? And then at the same time, if you're a Democrat who doesn't think, you know, socialized medicine is a good idea, where do you, where do you go? Do you can, I mean, it's, it's easy, I think for a party to change and, and kind of create new ones. It's almost unprecedented for two sides of opposing parties to, to come together. Maybe that's how the Republicans originally started when you had, um, Northern, more Democrat minded and, um, you know, the, the Whigs coming together, but I don't know what the question is, but is, is it possible for a new party to form with the, with that coalition? Um, how would that happen? And, it, it's it's been very uh, rare in American politics that a new party has emerged um, rather than an old party changing. Uh, it has happened, um, but um, really um, not since about 1856, 1860, when the Republican Party was established in the ashes of the old uh, Whig Party. There's been dramatic changes in what the Republican Party stands for, dramatic changes in what the Democratic Party stands for in the interim. But we've had a two-party dominated system, and it's been uh, those two parties. The change occurred with Ronald Reagan. Prior to Reagan... Um, both parties were sort of an ideological mix. There were such things as liberal Republicans. There were such things as conservative Democrats. With Reagan, the Republican Party became the conservative party, and the Democratic Party became the liberal party. And uh, we have seen both parties move more solidly to the extremes of those two positions. I believe there are naturally four political parties, um, collections of ideological similarity that attract 15 to 25 percent of the electorate. Uh, in order for them to become manifest, I think there probably needs to be fundamental uh, reform. And, and the, the system I actually like is uh, that that France uses to elect its president. So it has the, – the, the problem with multiple party systems is that you almost always get minority governments that are fragile and fall apart and don't accomplish mm -hmm. much. The French uh, – in my judgment, have kind of the best of, of both worlds. They have multiple parties. They compete against each other in the primaries. Uh, but then the two, the nominees from the two 
top parties run off against each other in the general election. Mm -hmm. And as a result, whoever is elected president of uh, France um, enjoys majority support, actually gets a majority of, of the vote. Uh, I think in order to create the incentive for politicians to abandon the two parties as they exist and form new parties that would more fully reflect the diversity of ideological points of view within the electorate, you'd probably need to superimpose a reform like that um, just to create the political incentive for, for someone who forms a new party to say, hey, I have a chance to win under this system. Uh -huh. Currently, they don't have a chance to win. So it's kind of like, in order for this to happen, it would require a few prominent people saying, this is what we're going to do, and then other people following them. Because there's no, political parties aren't written in any law or constitution other than the way the voting is set up. Right? Well, well, in a lot of states, um, there are requirements for forming a political party and after a political party is formed, um, there are benefits to that. Like in Arizona, the taxpayers pay for the, for the primary. Um, political parties have access to voter files that exceed um, what an independent uh, has the right to get. Um, so there are, there are obstacles and hurdles to creating a new party, and there's protection in the law for so the would, for the two dominant parties. So that would parties. take quite a determined and and broad effort and and well financed and well financed effort to bring that. Yeah, into, there, there's into there's reality. been fleeting attempts to do that. Perot established a, a, a political party. There's there's been others that have uh, tried to do that. Some of which gained ballot access to many states uh, for the presidential race. But nothing that really rose to anything that would provide competition for the Republican and Democratic Party. I think it's correct that there is increasing numbers of voters who don't feel comfortably at home in either the Republican or the Democratic Party. I don't know how it happens, uh, but ordinarily where there's not a vehicle for the expression of political opinion, a vehicle gets gets uh, established and developed. Would that possibly be in the form of an individual running running for office? I mean, if someone in the Democrat Party ran, you know, way, I mean, I guess Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders might be a good example of that. Like, could that become, a, well, could it, the Democratic Party change into like a Democratic Socialist Party and then have a centrist sort of like John Kasich, uh, I don't know who would be a more a more conservative Democrat that would be more on his his side, but um, is that how it would happen? Or I, I it is certainly the Democratic Party is undergoing change, and it's becoming more of a Bernie Sanders uh, party. But it's interesting that that Sanders, who is not a registered Democrat ran as a Democrat. He, oh, did, yeah. he, he didn't launch his own party. He, he, didn't, he didn't try to do that. There's been some speculation of a rich individual, um, Bloomberg, the former 
mayor of New York has often uh, been talked about, and he's actually looked into running as an independent. And, and if an independent were ever to win the presidency, um, there would probably be a party that would develop underneath him. Uh, Macron in, in France invented a party from scratch uh, and won the presidency in his first um, his first effort. You and think um, I see an independent as more likely than ever this this upcoming if uh, you know imagine if uh, you know if like an Elizabeth Warren or, or someone won the Democrat nomination don't you think strong independent would would jump in that well um bloomberg was um is probably the most likely uh, such candidate and uh, he took a pass in in 2018 uh whether he would take a make a different decision if it was Elizabeth Warren, who, who, who is more liberal than Hillary Clinton, particularly on business issues, um, perhaps. Uh, there's also an interesting possibility with uh, the Libertarian Party. Uh, Bill Weld, uh, who was the vice presidential candidate uh, for the Libertarians, um, is going to seek the Libertarian nomination for okay. uh, president. Uh, Weld was a very popular governor of Massachusetts, a um, highly pro-business. He, he is the combination that you describe. Uh -huh. He is a free enterprise guy. He is a social liberal. He was extremely popular, even though he ran as a Republican in, in Massachusetts. He's knowledgeable, articulate, intelligent. He, he, he might seize an opportunity that Gary Johnson, the former governor of New Mexico as head of the libertarian ticket last time just wasn't able to see to seize because Johnson was too goofy and and didn't know what Aleppo was <laughs> <laughs> well and and I think too much of a marijuana advocate yeah. and user yeah. so so there was some talk of that of that flipping or Bill Well joining a different campaign or something but it will be interesting to see if he because uh, I did have a lot of uh kind of the vestiges of the Ron Paul revolution sort of spirit, but a lot of that got uh, maybe transferred over to Bernie Sanders. And um, so, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what develops from, from the political parties. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is the Political Notebook podcast. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks.